sometimes struggle to get up in the morning or wind down for bed at night. I used to find it so difficult. I woke up with no sense of positivity and brightness. I was void of motivation and spirit. This changed completely when I started waking up with a Lumi body clock. These incredible devices mimic the light and colour of a real sunrise and sunset, transforming the experience of waking up and going to sleep completely. Rather than being suddenly woken up with an alarm clock, the Lumi body clock will wake you up gradually with a natural sunrise. The Lumi body clock has been shown to improve the quality of sleep and awakening and to boost mood and productivity in clinical trials. You can personalise your sunrise and sunset from 15 to 90 minutes with their clinically tested unique natural light and more than 20 sleep and wake sounds. We all deserve to sleep well and to wake up feeling fresh. So if you're finding this a challenge and you want to try a new approach, go to lumi.com. I first saw you playing drums, um, I guess it was five years ago on the Not Dead Yet tour. And I mean, obviously I was really blown away. And the other day you came up on my Instagram feed with Trev Lucifer. Um, and uh, I started checking out your original music with Better Strangers. And I thought it would be brilliant to get you on the podcast. I mean, to play big venues like the Royal Albert Hall aged, I think you were, you must've been what, were you 17 or 16 when you first started going out on the road and playing those type of big venues? Yeah, I was 16. 16? Yeah. yeah. W were you nervous before? Were you like shaking? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I feel like I, I, you know, thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words. It's um happy to be here and speaking with you and chatting with you. Um, Yeah, that, I was 16. <coughs> Sorry. When I started, um, yeah, my dad's tour, um, I was definitely nervous at the beginning. Not, but it was more like for the first gig. Um, we did a warm up show on that tour um, in Liverpool, um, like right before we were going to do the Albert Hall. Um, Where was that? Like venue wise, it was an arena. So we we <laughs> we, we played warm up show in an arena. Yeah, to play for in a theater afterwards, um, which <laughs> was pretty funny. But that was pretty. Um, nerve-wracking just because like you know the background of that is we'd actually never run the set back to front all the way with my dad there the whole time um which you know everybody's professionals but they're still kind of like man we've never like you know there'd be stupid stuff like you didn't do the encore because you did the main set and then you you know you start with the encore the next day like stuff like that but we never actually just did the whole thing back to front until the show and I think we're all just a bit nervous. You know, I think my dad hadn't played show, a show in, in so many years. And there was definitely, you know, and also playing in the UK, the UK press have always been a bit tough on him. So mm. I think there was a bit of nerves everywhere. And I was just nervous because it was my first ever real kind of big show, especially it was an arena and like I'd never done that before. Um, but it was great. I, you know, it was, it was, it, it went amazing. You know, the reviews were just awesome for that show. It was just like, and the best case scenario it was just like a great great gig overall um and then from there on out i wasn't really as nervous i've been nervous for like a couple shows every now and then like in big venues like when we did hyde park um when we did uh the maracana in uh in that Rio. looked insane yeah it was i mean and and that that tour to me was so special it's one of my favorite you know tours that i've ever done was the south american thing because half of it was in like you know, big football stadiums that I've, you know, grown up watching, you know, on TV and stuff. 
and um and there was just so many people but those fans were just absolutely unbelievable so like get, the wonderful go, people there yeah in south america totally it was you know great culture and everything but you know gigs like that have always been a bit you know oh wow like it's a big deal so you get a bit more nervous um and then the first show on the genesis tour was also kind of like that but that was also half of it was you know we had just had covid you know you're like oh my god there's 15,000 people in this arena right now yeah yeah and you're like i don't even know if we're supposed to be here or something um but for the most part on my dad's tours or genesis tours i've always been okay with the nerves because like at the end of the day i'm i'm just playing drums and i'm you know comfortable enough behind the kit where i just know that's my job and that's what i have to do Whereas, like, I don't have to, you know, I know there's going to be great sound. I know that, like, the whole band is going to be tight. I know that there's going to be fans there. Like, you know, all, all that stuff. Whereas, like, I actually get more nervous when I play shows, you know, with my band or on by my own. Because, like, you know, you, you just have way more to worry about. And it's, you're not really kind of piggybacking off 50 years of music that people know. You're kind of like, hey, here's my thing. Yeah. It's a bit more nerve-wracking. Whereas that, it's like, you know everybody likes the music and everything. So, like, you just have to play it well. Did um, you have time to, to work on Better Strangers stuff when you were on the road? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, me and the guys in Better Strangers, we've been in bands together for, you know, probably going on eight years or something, I think. Um, just we've grown up together and just been playing together all the time. And... I've always tried to make sure that, you know, I do a good job. I mean, I was lucky that that, that touring was, you know, we do a couple weeks at a time and then have like a couple months off. You know, my dad yeah. didn't want to just do, you know, six weeks, then two weeks off, six, like just didn't want to do like a big grueling tour. Um, he wanted to kind of take a bit more time, which is why I ended up, you know, the tour was like two and a half years. Yeah. Um, But so I had time in between that to go and work on, on and my did band. You, did and you stuff. play gigs in between? In between the tours, yeah. yeah, not like on the tours. Actually, yeah. well, we did have one um, on the South American tour. We started in Mexico. No, was it Brazil? I think we started in Brazil. And then, yeah, we started in Brazil and then we took like a week off so that I could come here and play shows with my band because it's like they were already booked. But I just rem I like now that I think about it, it's like, you know, I stopped the stadium tour to go play like some clubs, you know, what I mean, that's cool though. it was great. And it was and we took like a week off and did that. And then I went back and then we went, I think it was like Mexico and then kind of finished the tour from there. But now that I think about it, it's pretty funny of me kind of being like, sorry, busy. You know? <laughs> like, can you oh, damn right? You yeah, know, you've got you've got to do your own thing, Absolutely. too, even though you're bringing something in all of the commentary and all of the reviews and like people who know about music talking about your style, um, like all the session guys seem to say that you were bringing something different to the table to when your dad was playing the drums. Um, you know, your own like unique take on it. Obviously playing the parts that need to be there. Um, and, and so, you know, what was it like when you were stepping into the band with guys like Lee Sklar, who's been on this podcast and like, you know, I think majority of session players or like mates that I've got in music, if they had to go in and like sit down and play drums or play whatever instrument with session players like that, they'd like freeze up. Yeah. Um, did, did you get any of that at all? Like during the rehearsals or whatever? Uh, not really at the time. Well, first is because like I've kind of grown up with those people. Like they're like second family to me. Um, you know, my earliest memories are being on the road with my dad on his um, final farewell tour in like 2004 and it's all the same band really for the most part and i was just a kid hanging out with them um 
I think by the time I ended up playing, I I don't I think I was too young to have nerves about it. I think now in retrospect, like if I if I was doing that now, I'd be really nervous just because you're a bit more self-aware as you get older. Um, as a kid, like, you know, I was just like, oh, these are the people that, you know, I've known for ages. And, yeah. And I didn't even really pay attention to. Well, obviously, I knew who they all were as like, you know, career and background. But I didn't you know, you're so young where you're just kind of like, let's go. Let's play. You know, yeah, you, yeah. it doesn't even really phase you now. I think I'd be a bit more like, oh, my God, that's, you know that's Lee Sklar or something. I mean, obviously I, I've known them all. So, and they were so welcoming. Like they were so cool about, you know, obviously first thing is it's kind of the boss's kid coming in and that has its own kind of dynamic on its own. I mean, I made sure, and I've always kind of tried to make sure that whether it be on my dad's tour, or the Genesis tour that like I'm there based on merit. And like, if, if something's not good, somebody can tell me it's not good. Like even my dad, like I, he's always kind of treated me just like, a member of the band, he never treated me like I was his kid. Um, so if something was too fast, too slow or wrong or just not good, he'd tell me. And I m- just had to make sure that I made it, you know, that I was correct after. And, th- you know, that also was just like a lot of preparation going into it. So going into the f- rehearsals, I, you know, I felt pretty well prepared with all the material. Um, but everybody in the band made it so easy to like not make me feel like, you know, not welcomed or or like there is some kind of difference like it was just like they just kind of were like yeah and you know you're part of the band and from the get-go it was just like a really kind of fun um dynamic but you know of course like depending on who it is like going into the genesis rehearsals i was pretty nervous just because like you know those are people that you know have been my dad's bandmates for like almost three times how long i'm i've been alive you know what i mean like or you know it's like so much history there that I'm kind of like, you know, you're kind of stepping in and obviously he's my dad, but I'm like, but this whatever dynamic and just history that this band has, is just like, it's been around for way longer than I have. And you're kind of going in there being like, all right, these are kind of, you know, it's a bit stressful. Was know. it a harder gig, the Genesis gig? As far as playing, for sure. Like just, but just by the nature of the music, it's just yeah. a bit more progressive, a bit more complicated and complex drum parts. Um, but there, it was very different. Like the... My dad's tour was very much to me about the discipline because you got essentially 14 to 15 people on stage yeah, and it was no tracks apart from the occasional drum machine. Um, neither of those tours had any tracks apart from like a drum loop, like the in the air tonight. I was going to ask about yeah. that. W- were they to a click? Those were just like played on a computer, like with like a thing. And I would play along to the drum machine, but the rest of the songs, if there was no drum machine loop, you know, like off the top of my head, like In the Air Tonight or Invisible Touch, songs that have like a thing in the background, it wasn't a track. So on my dad's tour being like, you know, having to be like, okay, I'm the drummer and, you know, 13 other people, 14 other people are relying on me to kind of stay. So so you didn't get a click like... Or, or did you get a click to start off? Say 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 there wasn't a drum machine, you'd get a click. To it start depends off. the song. Yeah, some songs I'd be like, you know, I'd look up my tech, or or I would just start a click just to get the tempo. Maybe even start like the first couple bars, and then I'd shut it off. So then you'd be yeah. Completely. Then it would just be. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the guys in the band like you know the music's got to move, and it does. It will more so with Genesis. Like with my dad's thing, we could have played to a click. It just wasn't a thing that was even thought about. I don't think that's um, really. That's great. Yeah, no, and, and, and it was good. It's a great learning experience. And that's kind of what I mean with the discipline is like you have to kind of stay in time. You got to like, 
make sure that like you're as reliable as possible. And that's kind of also went into the Genesis thing is that I wanted to make sure that like these guys have more than enough to worry about with their parts. I don't want them to have to worry about me having my stuff down. So it's like almost like let me be the the base so that they can kind of do their thing on top of it. With the Genesis music is a bit more loose as in there's just more space in the music. There's only four musicians playing at the same time as opposed to I don't know, 14 or I mean I'm including like the backing singing uh the BV section and you know, but you got like the horn section, two guitars, bass, keyboards like is a lot of people on stage on my dad's tour. Um, whereas like in Genesis, there's just like way more space to fill up. So you can mm. be a bit looser with like, oh, I can try this tonight or I can play something different. Whereas the other one, it's like you can kind of really only operate in a specific kind it's quite of... quite precisely put together exactly. on the record. And people want to hear it relatively Yeah. Faithful. I mean, people want to hear the Genesis stuff pretty accurately too, which is yeah. why I tried to make sure that I, you know, prepared as much as I could. Um but on the Genesis tour, it's just, it was different. And also like that, you, there's no way we could have played to click on the Genesis tour. We did, there's a lot more drum machine loops just by the nature of the music. Um, but the songs that didn't have it, like, you know, kind of defeats the point of the band to play that to a click. And mm -hmm. also just, they're all, the thing that I'd say the difference between them is that like my dad's band, they're like, you know, kind of seasoned musicians who are like session, you know, people. And they're just... They're so like, you know, they're like masters of their craft. Genesis is a different thing. They're like songwriters. Um, and in a way, I related more to the Genesis guys just because like that's kind of where I am. You know, I've always been more into the songwriting aspect and developing the music as opposed to just like chops and, and all that tech, stuff. Tech and, guy. Yeah, exactly. And and it was just like with those guys, like, you know, it's, it's, it's way more about the kind of feel of their music that they kind of wrote. That's why it's written that way. You know, it's not really coming at it from a, either a theory background or a, you know, session background. It's just like, this is what we do. Whereas like everybody on the, on my dad's store is just like, so on it. And you have to kind of like match that level of just reliability and just professionalism because everybody is just so, you know, so good. Yeah. They're and insane. Yeah. Just so kind of, you know, almost like geniuses in their own thing. And, and Genesis is just a different way. You know, they're more geniuses in, in the writing and in the, you know, in that kind of way as opposed yeah, to the, the song craft. And exactly. They're, they're the artist. And then, then they've got fewer session players to rely on. But what about uh, the recent tour with Mike and the Mechanics? How was that? That was great fun. Uh, it was a great group of guys. I was lucky that, I mean, obviously I was lucky that I got asked to do it um, from Mike. It's a kind of really kind of nice thing when you finish the tour and then you get asked to do another gig um it's a nice feeling and and mike's a great guy and the guys in the band i, I was lucky to kind of meet them and get to know them because they did a couple they opened for a couple shows on my dad's store so i kind of knew them um and they were just great guys and that was good fun it, it was different to anything i'd ever done it's way more kind of uh, of a pop gig than you know um and funnily enough i'd say it's more of a pop gig than my dad's show because like i don't know the nature of the drumming on my dad's stuff was a bit more almost rocky um, mm. but the mechanics thing that was all like we played to click for almost every song on that. Really? Um, so it's like cool kind of different learning experiences that I got from each thing. And, and honestly, just like, you know, as a drummer, I think one of the biggest things and important things is just being able to play with people. That's really what you're going to, you know, you're going to learn the most from doing that as opposed to, you know, it's all great. Like being able to practice and play along to tracks, like, but really playing with people is where it matters and how you're able to kind of make 
the other people in the band feel as comfortable as possible playing with you. Um, like one of the biggest compliments I can get is you're very easy to play with. Um, because like if you're difficult to play with, like nobody wants to play with yeah. you. And then what's the point, you know, as a drummer? Um, Particularly so as a drummer. Exactly. you're holding the whole thing together. Yeah. But it was it was fun. It was a long tour. I will say that. We did like a lot of shows. You know, I think it was like a 40 show tour. Really? Um, yeah. And like 34 of those were like in the UK alone. Um, so it was, you know, all bus travel. Like it was pretty intense, but it was a great time. You know, I mean, w- every show, you know, was did really well. We had a lot of people come out. And um and yeah, it was just a fun time. You how, know? how many months was it over a couple of months or six weeks or it's about we started like beginning of April. And I'm inc- like including rehearsals. I think like call it like April first, we started rehearsals and then we ended June eighth. Um so it yeah. was it was intense. Yeah, it was a lot of shows. I mean it's like I mean, I felt for like the, the singers, uh, Roachford and, and Tim, who are the two singers in the mechanics, they like, you know, three shows in a row then one day off and then another three shows in a row. Like, it was just pretty grueling. And I'm like, they've got to be in, like, tip-top condition for their voices. And, and especially, they're not, like, they're singing for real. Like, they're not just kind of, you know, filling up the gaps. Like, they're really kind of going for it. it out. Yeah. yeah. So to be able to Difficult do that. Parts. Yeah, they're just so well-trained. So, like, it was, uh, you know, I felt for them because, like, you know, as a drummer or a guitarist or whatever it is, it's easier. You can play more shows, like, you know, in a row. It's always good to have a day off, especially as a drummer, like, you know, kind of give your body a rest. Um, but yeah, it was pretty intense and, and like, a, you know, the travel as well was, you know, it's all kind of bus in the UK. So you're looking at a couple hours of travel pretty much every day, um, which does take a toll by, you know, by the end of it. So like, I, it's funny though, as I got older and I'm saying this as if I'm like old, but I just mean that like every, every tour that I've done, I start to enjoy the days off more and more. Um, I, I on my dad's tour when I was 16 i was like why are we doing you know i hate days off i I wish we were going in and playing you know what am i probably just like bored exactly and like now it's like no i don't mind the fact that i can do nothing all day today like i can just yeah it takes its toll way more yeah i mean it's like you know anything Mm -hmm. when you're younger you've just got so much more like threshold for whatever like a night out or something doesn't hurt as much oh yeah when you start getting older it's like gets to the point where you're like actually i can't be bothered to go out at all yeah exactly i mean even like you know it it was funny though like near the end of the tour you could kind of see that the whole band was you know you starting to get more and more tired yeah and and it's funny though like uh, at the end of the uk tour it felt like that but then we went to germany for the last like six shows and it all of a sudden felt like a new tour everybody just had this like you know new energy this whole like crowds were totally different um just in like vibe wise but then also just like the band all of a sudden you're you're not in the uk where you've been for the last two months you're just like oh it looks different it looks you it's know just like a fresh energy to it all. exactly yeah yeah so when when did you start playing drums has this been your whole life uh yeah pretty much i started playing i'd say when i was like three um i mean really from the get-go um it's like home videos of me kind of like sitting on my dad's lap just tapping away on the drums as like you know as a baby really um as soon as you can actually like hold yourself up and not you know you're not kind of a total infant um i don't even know if that makes sense really (laughs) 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 what i'm trying to say um i just mean that like yeah as a young young kid i remember being on my dad's lap but then i got my first drum set when i was like two or three so That, that is yeah like that wasn't early. like a 
I mean, it was still kind of... A, it wasn't like the kid yeah, that we're no, looking at now. No, yeah, not this one. <laughs> and it wasn't like a kid's, like, you know, as in like a little plastic kit. It was like kind of in between. It was like in between a kid's kit and like a normal kit. It was like, you know, one of those. Um, and I was just like obsessed with it from the first day. Like, you know, I, I think I probably spent the first two days just looking at it, let alone playing it. I was just so like, oh my God, I have my own drum set now. Um, and from there on, I just like, I just always was playing and you know but as a kid it was more of a hobby i i you know you don't think really think about what you want to do when you're older yeah until a certain point for real like but did you ever were you constantly playing yeah i was always playing I, I i did at one point play more um football or soccer um for a period of my life where like you know you know i probably wanted to do that more than play drums um and I, you know, I still love it, but then I kind of moved to Miami, realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And I was like, oh, I'm okay at drums, you know, and let me kind of take this more seriously. And then I started taking more lessons and playing in bands. And from there, it kind of just, that's when it really grew. And then when I started playing in bands with, with Yang specifically, who's the bass player in Better Strangers, like from there, it totally kind of consumed my life of just, in a, in a good way of just like, okay, drums is like what I do. And that's when, you know, you put more hours into practicing but also you're just playing in a band for real and not mm. just at first it was more like hey you know let me play along to songs and that's how kind of every kid really i think should kind of start out that was you know some of the most important thing you can things you can do as a drummer is play along to records because that's teaching you essentially like that's your that's your school of of drumming is like what people have done what and records did you play play along to when you were first learning when i well when i was first learned like as a kid it really was my dad's stuff you know like i I was on tour with him, so that's just the music I knew. You know, it'd be Genesis DVDs that I just kind of put on and play along to. Um, then as far as, like, my own kind of bands that I started getting into, like, I remember my dad saying, you know, go listen to When the Levee Breaks um, by Zeppelin, and that, like, changed my life. Like, and I remember him telling me that, and from there on, you know, I just became a huge Led Zeppelin fan. And then also, like, you know, bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters, like, that was what I kind of grew up on and, you know, wanted to play along to, um, you know, and, and, and in a way kind of, they, f they felt like for like people of, you know, people my age or just drummers that are kind of from my generation and I'm, I'm putting that term loosely, they're kind of like guys like Chad Smith and Taylor Hawkins. Like yeah. those were like my guys. Cause every, you know, everybody got the John Bonham, but like, that's kind of before me, but like, this was like, Oh no, this is like a new kind of generation of, of drummers that were still kind of super influential on just a bunch of kids. So, those were the kind of bands where I started playing along. You know, that wasn't like my dad's stuff. And I started finding my own kind of tastes and everything. Um, I play along to stuff like way less now um, because obviously I'm, I'm lucky that I play in, in a band. And, and so there's less time for that. Yeah. And the time that I do have, I used to practice. I don't use to play along to things. So w what does practice look like then if you're not playing along to things? It depends. I go f with different kind of um routines from time to time for a long time it was a lot of pad work um just technique stuff and rudiments um more recently it's been more double kick orientated stuff um where i'll just try and come in and for a bit just try and work on my double kick whether that's different kind of patterns whether that's just you know rudiments whatever it is um i'm not the best practicer just as far as like but I mean, you know, it's, sometimes that's it's proper practice. A lot of people, and, and it's interesting that you made that distinction. I don't play along to songs anymore. I just practice. Because I think for a lot of uh, 
people and it's not as effective obviously practice just involves coming in sticking on whatever tune they were they were listening to whilst they were having their coffee on the way there playing around a bit and then being like check facebook off (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's totally fine though like you you can get a lot i mean like my biggest thing that i do is you know i love listening to 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 other music and other drummers and that's really kind of how i learn you know if i want to you know new fills or just new kind of things it's all comes from listening to records or watching videos of drummers doing it and that's kind of you know i used to have a drum teacher and that's kind of almost taken the place of that now in in like a different way where that's kind of what's teaching me is like oh that's you know that's a cool fill like let me kind of see how to do that um obviously if i'm prep prepping for a tour the majority of it involves playing along to the the tunes and just learning them um but if i'm not doing that and not kind of writing or working with a band it's like you know it's just coming in with a metronome and whether it's pad stuff whether it's you know so or and then sometimes just messing around uh you know a lot of the time you know just actually just having i used to when i used to live at home i just could go to the room next door and just if it was for 30 minutes if it was for two and a half hours i could just play and um, just mess around. And that's not really the thing at a case anymore because I live in an apartment, can't play drums in an apartment. So when I come here, it's, you know, if I'm doing stuff with my band, then I don't really have, you you, you don't really have the time for the humble practicing, you know, the stuff where like you're actually not going to sound good at all. Um, and that's the frustrating stuff, but like sometimes, you know, you, you need to work on it. There's a reason you're not good at it is because you, it needs work. And that it became just a bit tricky of like I, I can't really just come in and work on that stuff because when I'm coming in it's for a rehearsal or it's I'm prepping for a tour or something so you kind of start to ignore those things because you're working on just what you have to you um, have yeah your, your schedule's too full to do that extra yeah, yeah just with like in those you know particular instances so it's good it's always good like to, you know even if it's at home with the pad stuff or just to kind of work on kind of patterns and rudiments that that aren't super comfortable um because you know that's the thing you can you know the the beautiful thing about playing drums and it's a bit of a cliche but it's like you never kind of stop learning um every time i felt like and it sounds stupid now because i'm so young that like and i don't i don't mean that in a in other way in any other way than other than the fact that like i'm 22 so for me to feel this way it just seems a bit ridiculous but i always was like oh okay i think i'm comfortable with what kind of drummer i am you know oh this is kind of where and then all of a sudden like you hear another drummer and you're just like oh no i have no i have so much more to learn (laughs) you know what i mean and that's happened like so many times throughout just playing drums um where you can never kind of stop developing there's always somebody better than you that or or something you've never kind of heard you're like oh my god i need to learn how to do that like for a while you know i was like okay i'm a single kick dude you know like this is who i am and i'm like you know i'm pretty confident you know i've kind of think i've you know not mastered but like you know accomplished everything i need to for to use it yeah in whatever to, yeah to be comfortable enough do. and then all of a sudden you hear a drummer and it, it was first it was gavin harrison from porcupine tree and then it was danny carey from tool and i'm like oh no i need a double kick now like and <laughs> i need to and then that was like a whole other thing that's like a whole other world i've only really been playing double kick for the last two years and that's been like you know, the biggest kind of adjustment where now that's like, okay, this is what I have to work on. And it's, you're always kind of giving each other, giving yourself goals, um, from, you know, just exposing yourself to new things. And then, you know, whether, and then that could develop into like, oh man, there's like, you know, the world of polyrhythms. Like I need to kind of start getting into that. There's always something to strive for and to kind of try better yourself. Yeah. 
that sounds very complicated polyrhythms yeah, yeah. How, how long ago did you get into that um i don't even know if i'm really into it it's just like half the time you just kind of do it by accident and you call it a polyrhythm and it's, it seems impressive but really you're just kind of faking it till you make it i was it. reading about <laughs> it in uh, earth wind and fire um maurice white's autobiography i don't know is in the stone by earth wind and fire do you know that tune I know I don't like that. That might have a bit of a polyrhythm yeah. on the start. It's like it's like the sort of thing in a pop record or in you know, like well-known stuff, like where almost like the listener would maybe realize, huh, there's something a bit weird going mm -hmm. on, but like they wouldn't totally think, oh, that must be a polyrhythm, yeah, or or, or or it wouldn't like detract from the song. Yeah, that's when it's good. You know what I mean? Like when you do a good like you, as long as it doesn't kind of all of a sudden totally disrupt the feel of the song and you've lost somebody um and half of that is limb independence you know um and that's like even from the get-go and i'm still working on that now but that's been probably now that i think about it the biggest thing that i've worked on since playing drums is just like starting off with like make you know how can i do something different on my left hat uh left foot with my hi-hat and my right foot on my kick drum like doing two different kind of rhythms um and you know that's kind of a good starting point, and then from there, you know, it's it's throwing the hands in, and you know, basically trying to make sure that they can be as independent as possible, so you're not relying. You know, a lot of the time, I've you know, I won't even realize, but everything I'm doing on my left foot is just kind of as a response to either my right foot or my left hand or just something, and um, you know, that's always been a thing where like from the get-go of making sure you can kind of achieve that that independence, so, so that they kind of in a way your limbs have their own kind of brain um, with the music. And that's not easy at all. Like for me, I feel like that is more like I have to work on it until I break the the kind of seal in my brain and now it becomes muscle memory. I'm not so much a guy who can just like comprehend it from the get-go um, or like read sheet music and just be able to do that. I kind of need to like process it in my own way and, and it's almost by just doing it. And I can learn it pretty quickly, but it just takes me a little bit of time to just do it over and over again until like my brain has now lost the kind of like, you know, thing that holds it all back. It's just like, okay, now we kind of understand and your body's more used to it. Um, so it takes a lot of practice to get yeah. that. Like uh, uh, for some people, is it like? Yeah, so, some people just have uh, like, you know, I think the feel with drums is like so vague because it means so many different things. Um, you can have a feel for just good time, good pocket, um, good groove. Um, and that I've always been pretty comfortable with that. But then some people just like, you know, and, and half of it is practice, but some, you know, everybody kind of has like this innate thing that, you know, gives them the ability to just do, do it. And some drummers like it, that's the funny thing is there's some drummers where I'm like, I look and I'm just like, I know I'll never reach that level of understanding of what they're doing. Um, because it's just, it, and that is either practice or it's just, you know, I look at like some people, like a lot of gospel drummers, they have a specific feel that like, you, you can't just get that. You really, at least to me, like you're just either born with it or just, you've been raised around it. So you have like, even people who try to learn how to play gospel stuff doesn't feel the same as somebody who's like been raised in that world musically yeah. well that that is a fit yeah it's a feel thing it's exactly uh, so i kind of just mean it in the soul yeah and the same thing with practice like some people have just um and everybody's brain is kind of wired differently so some people have the ability to you know whether it's i mean like for example reading like reading sheet music is a bit more you got to just learn that and put the time and effort into that and i never really bothered because i just didn't do you like read it. now no not really 
I can probably like read rhythmic sheet music and kind of somewhat understand. I mean, if you give me like a song, like if you give me whether just like rhythms, like maybe I can get it. Um, but if you're giving me like an actual like drum part on it where like, you know, each line means a different part of the drum, I'm pretty hopeless. I'm probably better at melodic dictation than that stuff. Um, cause I, I was able to take theory class in high school and, um, but I didn't, I don't think I really retained much of that <laughs> information, you know? Um, I mean, to me, it's just like, I think the thing is, is like growing up is just learning that music, it, it, you know, it, you get into this kind of vicious cycle as a drummer or just any musician where you're always comparing yourself to other people or just kind of like how, you know, and you start to lose what the point is in, you know, music or playing drums. Like, you know, I, I've seen drummers where it's like they're just doing the craziest thing. And I'm like, why can't I do that? Or, you know, I wish I could do that. And sometimes everybody has like, it's okay. Like, I don't need to learn how to do, um, you know, a 300 BPM uh blast beat on my kick drums because when am i ever going to do that it's great to learn it yeah who who will i mean there will be some people who want to listen to it but it all comes back to the song and like exactly and just what people want to listen to it exactly and and when especially when it comes to practice like some people you know i i there's like some drummers where it's almost feels like it's become bodybuilding where it's like how fast can i play or you know how complicated can i do this and i'm like yeah but that's that's impressive for drummers but like nobody else, no, nobody yeah. else is really kind of digging that. And, and that's something that I've had to kind of come to terms with and, you know, be like, why, why not instead of practicing that, why don't I play a groove for a couple minutes? Like, you know what I mean? And just work on the pocket or the feel or something, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think, you know, there's some people just who have that ability and, and, you know, whether it's the feel thing or just the way that they kind of approach the instrument, um, you know, some people are like, it's all based on the practice and they've, you know, their whole, whole drumming ability is just based on them putting the hard work in. Some people, it's just like, no, they're just, they've got that natural they just feel. They up and yeah. play and they're in a mm -hmm. band and then they, they never practice. I mean, it's w yeah. whatever works for you. But you mentioned before about like wanting to, to write songs and, and feeling a kind of kinship with the guys in Genesis um, and with Better Strangers, you know, it seems like you're, like the drum parts are, are, are interesting and the, and the grooves, but it's also, there's a focus on songwriting and on developing your own unique sound. And so now Better Strangers have a new singer and it, this is a whole new chapter. So what what are your kind of ambitions? Are you working on an album? Because I know it's been, is it five singles so far or four singles? Yeah. Um, yeah, at the moment we're kind of unsure where the, the uh, as far as like the name, you know, the, the band Better Strangers goes. I mean, you know, the as far as like us in the band, we're working on what's next, you know, and it's very exciting. And we're working on, we, we don't even really know if it's an album and EP. We're just working on new music and taking that as far as like, until we feel like, okay, we've got the right thing. We don't really want to rush into what's next just because obviously, you know, we parted ways with our, with our singer and, um, you know, it's just like, I think it was just like time to kind of just take a look at ourselves and, and just kind of like reassess almost just like, you know, either what we want to do and also just like how we want to, you know, just making sure we have all of our ducks in a row before we decide to kind of get back out there again. Yeah, you know release what I mean? something. Yeah. Um, but we're we're working hard and, and it's it's very exciting. It's a really kind of exciting time for the band. We got a couple, you know, irons in the fire, which is just, you know, it's it's been pretty inspiring with that. And um, and yeah, with with with, you know, so what I mean is that I don't know if Better Strangers, as everybody kind of knows it, 
is done as far as like the music and and whether the next you know chapter of this project is a different kind it of may have a new name yeah we don't know we're, we're just kind of yeah. like you know yang was telling me when when we was you know when he was setting up yeah we're literally just our whole thing has just been let's write music and like forget about the social media forget about the the you know the band name it's just like let's make the music first and then once it's good we can worry about everything else and i really like that yeah, yeah i just think you get caught up too much especially for us it's just like you know when you're trying to develop things like m try and develop them correctly but it's because i think a big thing for us that you know we were dealing with as better strangers like for the last kind of year is you're almost balancing um you know being a active band and being a, a functioning band and maintaining a, an image and whatever you're balancing that with, you know, maybe core kind of fundamental issues that there may be that like you need to sort out. And I think when you're doing that, it, it, it just kind of it, it takes a toll on both sides of it. You know, you're not really as committed to um, maintaining your image because you, you, you got this other stuff to worry about. And then also, you know, you can't really focus on fixing the other things because you're like, well, we have to be a band. We got to go play shows. We got to go make money. We got to get fans like you know when and then so like i think for us it's just like let's make sure we kind of have everything in check and it's been it's been great that i think this mentality is just like we didn't even really discuss it we just kind of operated we're just like let's see what happens you know let's just work at it and and focus just on the music first and foremost exactly and and obviously you know what we've written so far to us has been good which is why we we're, we keep on doing it and going for new things and you know um have you set a timer on it have you set a we want to be finished up with whatever we're working on now or are you just I think I think we'll definitely be finished with it by the end of the year. Um, it just depends on how how quickly we can write things. We, we it's funny because <clears throat> better strangers, or just like all the guys, all of us in it, we operate pretty like uniquely. Just that like you know, there's times where we'll write a couple songs in a week, and then there's sometimes where it's like we won't even write a song in like three months. It's just like, but because we're always trying to work on it, and we're pretty self aware when something isn't working. Um, so it's hard to really catch that moment of, of magic sometimes where you're like, oh, that was good. You know, it's, it always feels like when na nowadays, like when we write a song, it's like, oh, thank God we can still do it. You know what I mean? Cause there, there's times where you're just like, I don't even like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Mm. We, we haven't written a song in ages, but you kind of need that. I think for us, like we put in a bit more, um, attention and value into making sure that like, we'll, we're always going to like the parts and that also that like, we're not just kind of trying to finish the song just to finish it we're actually trying to make it as, as best as it can be um and as soon as something's not working there's no point in forcing it to work because if it's if you already know it's not working or and it's not causing inspiration there's a reason for that yeah so like you know you might as well kind of nip it in the bud and be like okay let's you know either if we liked something let's record it and just save it uh for later or just like you know move on to the next thing if you're not really kind of feeling instead of just kind of having the mentality of like let me finish this song just because we have to, you know, and almost, you know, I mean, that's good, but we, we used to do that more often and you just end up with like way more bad songs and good songs. Yeah. Um, which is, is, is helpful for the writing process. Like it's, it's, it's not a necessarily a bad thing, but it also just kind of, you're just like, now it's just gone to the point where we're just kind of know if something's not working and you're just like, let's, let's move on. Do like, you, do you write all together in the room? Same room. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, we're very much hands-on, like, you know, so it's, it's always like somebody will come in with an idea, 
um, whether that's Joey or Yang on guitar and bass or like me with a drum part or even if somebody has written a part on another instrument like, you know, keyboards or guitar or whatever. Um, but nobody's ever really, I, I don't think ever in, you know, the songs that we've either released or that we're working on just come in with the song finished and been and everybody just has to work out their part it's very much like somebody comes in with a, a verse idea or a chorus and then it's up to the three of us to kind of craft the song musically from there um obviously with with you know with our new singer that we've been working with he um he's very involved you know in the direction of the music which is great um but you know it's it, it's it's fun just but it's different like we just have to be in the same room together to write something like and and also half the time you're bouncing off the ideas off of each other like somebody's feeding ideas to somebody else and been like why don't you try this and that's how the song develops but also half the time you're kind of like um the reaction from the band is what determines like oh, okay that's a good part you know like a lot of the times it's like it, you need the other two people to be like oh that was sick like do that again mm. for for you to kind of get to that next stage whereas like maybe by yourself you wouldn't really kind of realize oh may maybe that is cool or maybe that's the right direction and and everybody has their own kind of uh mindset as to where they want the song to go how they want it to feel um but yeah w for us it's just like being in the same room is pretty crucial and also like we're very much a a band where like you know you like we don't play to tracks and so it's very much reliant on how it feels between the three of us yeah, just musically human. yeah exactly and and so and you kind of need that like if it feels good if it doesn't feel good then it's just like you know because anything can really sound good on a if you're recording it or something but like if we're actually playing it and it feels a bit whatever um that was kind of the thing when, when better strangers we were we had released an ep in like early 2021 i think or we started like singles in like late 2020 and that was all covid i call it the covid ep because like it was all written there and then the minute we took it out on the road it was like let's never play that song live again because it's really just, well, yeah because like it you just you need at least to us like we need to be on the road to like test out material or or just be playing shows just so that like i mean and that's i i say that roughly because odds are the ne next time we release things so I mean, we probably won't have tested it out on the road but i guess it's different perspective now because we've done it there's a bit more like okay we kind of kind of know what works and and not and I say that pretty loosely because, like, you know, it's not like we've been doing it for 40 years and very Sounds successful. Sounds like you've played a fair amount of gigs. Yeah, well, we have, but it was just, you know, and it just took a bit to kind of, like, you know, figure out even how a set works. Like, even if you think you're like, oh, I can develop a set, it's like, no, go play it. And, like, we've had some pretty humbling moments of just whether it's the set list or whether it's, you know, certain songs that were on the EP that were just like, okay, we're going to do it. And then you do it. And it's like, man, like, live, that goes absolutely nowhere, you know, and... And the cool thing is, you know, being self-aware enough to kind of, you know, acknowledge that and, and get it better. We've had sets where it's like you develop a set list like you're kind of like you're the Foo Fighters, like you're the biggest band on the, on the planet. And then you play it and you're just like, wow, that was just absolute like that was a bomb. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it was just and, and it's cool because it, it makes you kind of um, rethink things. And, and we yeah, had that on our, yeah, on our first ever tour. It was like the first two shows were a specific you know set and, and then like the th i think the third show was just like an absolute disaster and we we're just like okay did what and you changed it up after that yeah yeah uh, where have you toured and played gigs around this area around yeah we've done florida? a lot of florida uh we've done like texas um 
we did some stuff in the UK last year. I mean, it's obviously it's it's all pretty kind of relatively recent, just because the the band Better Strangers at the time, like we formed or you know yeah formed during COVID, um, so we only you know had maybe two years of being able to play shows, and obviously our singer at the time we didn't live here, so we couldn't really just go nonstop. We had to kind of pick our time a bit more. Um, but you know, we've, we've been lucky to play shows and every time it's, you know, it's a, it's a new kind of learning experience, you know, which is, which is fun. Um, but you know, it's, it's important to get those kind of moments of, you know, those humbling moments where you're like, you know, I I think a lot of people need that. Um, because you, you'll have like some bands or, you know, especially now in the day and age of like TikTok and things where you can essentially become a a superstar without ever having played a show. Mm. And then, well, that a lot of those people aren't really musicians. They're just people who are famous people. And then, I mean, a few of them can sing. Yeah. But even but even like when they do go on, let's say something does, like something bad happens or, you know, as in like a tech issue or, or it's just an absolute disaster of a show, they don't really know what to do with it. So I think like when you're able to go out on the road and, and, and have those moments, it teaches you way more. And it kind of, it, it, like, like I said, it, it teaches you, what not to do and what to do and, and how to kind of make things as best as they can be. Where sometimes you don't really get that perspective if you're just kind of already thrown in the deep end. Whereas mm. if you've just like done it, you can kind of go like, yeah, we know that we shouldn't play a song like that. You know, just like- It the, gives you, it sets you up for like longevity. Yeah, as I well. guess so, yeah. It means that you just, you're, you're a pro, like, cause you've played those smaller shows mm-hmm. and you've worked your way up, you've had an apprenticeship. You've not just yeah. gone viral on TikTok and then been thrown into yeah i mean it is it's a pitfall of the modern era really yeah it's 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 just a weird thing especially just you know like i i don't have a tiktok and so like i do you go on tiktok it doesn't seem like you're that big on social media which uh no i mean like i have instagram and i check instagram often you know like i i it's I, t- it's, it's addictive just tiktok is just like that's t- like I, I i have one platform and that's kind of good enough for me like yeah, it, all of a sudden there's too I much know, content I don't, I don't get tiktok just seems like it gives you a headache like yeah i mean the I, video I, I, constant video on yeah. loop for like 10 seconds i'm each. sure a lot of what i see on instagram is probably from tiktok originally <laughs> you know but i just like it's just like hey i get my stuff from there and i don't need um but just as far as like being in a band it's like it was just weird like you know whether you're talking to labels or you're talking to management people and and they're just like you know you're now looking at numbers instead of the quality of music or whether you believe in it it's it's you know back in the day you had people getting signed because somebody saw some random show at a bar and they just were like oh my god these guys are great you know the music is incredible. Now that doesn't exist. Now it's like analytics. Yeah. You, it's like, how many followers do you have? How many hits, you know, how many streams or, or whatever it is. And it's, and it becomes a bit destructive because you're, you're not, the quality gets, get, you know, isn't as good. It's irrelevant. Yeah. They'll sign literally. If, if something has whatever million number of Instagram followers, even if it's a totally moronic thing, Mm-hmm. They'll probably be interested in it because it's a business. First exactly, and, and, and a record label. Yeah, and it's a it's some kind of money making machine. And and at the end of the day, like you just kind of have to accept that that's just how it is. Um, but just for us, like you know, when it came to like promoting stuff, and it's like I don't even know the where to start with the TikTok thing. Like none of us are really on TikTok. We don't really understand. Like because some people who use it, they can utilize it really well, and they do some really cool things. But if you're not really on it, it's hard to kind of really understand what works. And if you're if if you're not into like 
you're not into that. You were talking a bit about like Taylor Hawkins and Chad Smith and about pocket and about, uh, you know, practicing rudiments. Like that is enough for one human brain <laughs> to like take in without having to suddenly become like a film director for one to two minute miniatures. Like what is the art form here? Is it music? Or is it short movies? Like the yeah. TikTok thing is, like w when it's t when we're talking about serious like live musicians or session musicians, it's 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 a bit too much, really. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still a world where, you know, you don't need that. I think, you know, you get the guys who are just great players, and yeah, you know, a lot of the more kind of modern progressive bands where they they have an audience pretty remarkably. You're just like, wow, I can't believe that this many people are showing up. Like, given the nature of the music and that it's not. Here, let me get your attention in ten seconds, and then you know it goes on the radio. But, but there is a big yeah. The, the, as far yeah, the, there is like movement. A, yeah, and but as far as like you know what's on pop radio, it's like that's essentially you, you know you're not getting what what it used to be like back in the day where you just and I'm saying this like I I wasn't there, but I from what I've heard, you know, mm -hmm. you had m different kind of styles and genres of music that was just like yeah, hey, this is a good song, and pop meant pop meant popular. It didn't mean a genre yeah which yeah, now yeah. it's like now it's like you know what you're hearing on like it's it's kind of fitting a um you know just a blueprint of what works and you just like you know yeah doing that. it's, it's w way um it's, it's way rarer that you'll hear something that's like oh whoa, that's a bit different or a bit new a lot of it is seems to be fitting mm -hmm. into a kind of a formula what do you think i mean given the fact you're a creative person you're writing music um and uh you know it may affect everybody in creative industries what do you think of all the ai stuff are you into that are you using it are no you on we, chat we, we have, we or whatever? no we haven't <laughs> used it i we, we like i don't hate the idea of like you know there's like there was one that was like um like the image generator things that we played oh, around some with. of that's quite cool. yeah we played around with like when we were just coming up with like album cover ideas we we're just like what if we just like typed in a description and you know so you get some cool stuff you get some really bad stuff um i think some things are really good like i've seen music videos like ai generated music videos that like will base it on the lyrics and they'll just create these illustrations and i'm like wow that's really cool and i think it's and and just like you know that specifically was for like a tool song and it was like oh whoa like they totally nailed that like that's what, but as a fan it's cool is but that a new music video no 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 it was just like some random like, person just like a fan music video yeah exactly and it, but it was song. ai generated so it looked kind of for real with all the kind of graphics but you know with with people who you know, I, when it comes to writing, I, I do think that, like, I mean, hey, AI is getting pretty good. So I, I was going to say that, like, there's a thing that humans have when they create that you're not really going to be able to replicate. Um, I think you can probably tell. But now it's, like, gotten to the point where, like, even, like, you know, MIDI drums, sometimes you're like, that that could be a real guy playing it. I don't know. I've, have you have you got fallen into the rabbit hole? I haven't actually clicked on a single one of these yet because I just think... I don't know whether I want to support this movement, but, like, a lot of people are coming to me and saying... Have you heard, you know, um, Frank Sinatra singing, you know, Let It Be by the Beatles or whatever? Have you heard Freddie Mercury singing no, I Lose haven't. Yourself by Eminem? The only one was like uh, the guy from South Park singing like pop songs. Like I've heard I've heard that. And that's pretty <laughs> funny, like just on Instagram. But like, I don't know. I think I think it, 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 it can get into a bit of a scary territory where all of a sudden, you know, you, you know, robots can kind of do it better than you can but i do think that just with music specifically same thing with like you know maybe something like stand-up comedy or more acting to an extent i mean i obviously know they were like trying to don't strike the right yeah for yeah. like you know some of the um being able to like own their kind of 
likeness and stuff to use it in AI stuff. And so I don't really know the kind of extent of that, but I think with music and, you know, comedy or things like that, you are, it's very reliant on like the human element to it. Um, where a robot, you can't really do that. Especially live. Yeah. I think it, it just depends the genre of music. I think if you're like a dance song or a pop song, which kind of already are very kind of machine like, and there's no, I'm not, and that's not me bashing it. It's just like how it is. Um, you can probably get away with more AI stuff doing that. Um, but then like, you know, if you've got a jazz song or, you know, a progressive rock song, like those, those need that kind of human kind of element. And I, at least for now, I think you can still tell, um, you'll always be able to tell between, um, whether it's human or kind of, and I mean, AI. you can tell when you get into the, the club or the mm -hmm. arena or wherever you're playing, like if it's like a laptop sat down on a drum throne people aren't going to get a whole lot out of that yeah. i mean maybe they can create avatars but i mean they've already gone pretty far with the avatar thing and it's not for everybody yeah and i also think just like at least rock music or metal music i mean jazz music is about really the connection between the people in the band mm. at least that's how i kind of perceive it but like rock and metal that's like the connection between the band and the audience or the yeah. audience and the music and i guess it's like i mean there was like a whole thing um earlier in the year um about drum like people putting things on tracks and like you know people were it was like it was something about like drummers putting their double kick patterns on the click track so they don't actually have to play it live and they're essentially miming um it was like this whole kind of thing <laughs> a buddy of mine um craig reynolds who's a big um really nice guy and a you know big drummer he he like put, did a whole tweet about it and it just like was like this whole kind of you know, it just blew up and just went viral. Um, and it was like, it was pretty controversial, but I Pre think like... Presumably he wasn't a fan of... Oh, yeah, no, he just was, just, you know, it was, it was something along the lines of like, you know, your your favorite brand band uses, you know, puts this kick drum patterns on, on their tracks and you're too dumb to notice. And some people don't care, which is pretty heartbreaking. Like, like I thought he was going to send an error and be like, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, that's, I agree with that. Because I agree, I think it's, you know... It defeats the purpose of, of, of But it's also it's it's deceitful. Exactly. But some people don't care. Like some 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 fans are just like, I don't you know, if I'm going to a but show what, and what I can are hear you the into then. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they're there just to hear the music and they're just like they don't care like they want they it to sound like the record. Yeah. I mean, I get that argument with AI mm -hmm. and with everything, but like that type of music is about the human like doing yeah. the double kick. And, and espe yeah, especially with like, you know, really complicated metal stuff. To me, half of that is like to me, most of the draw about that music is that it's people can actually physically do, do it. it. It's yeah. ridiculous. That's that part of the charm. It. It's is crazy. Like, yeah. And like, at least to me, like half the time, you know, it's not even really about the song. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy can actually play that. Um, but that's what I was kind of talking about. It's like the, the bodybuilding. It, it's all of a sudden now seems like it's how fast or how complicated and not even like, you know, and, and with that specific thing about like the kick drums being in the click, it's just like you know that's just kind of a bit not insulting but just like to people who have put their and i'm not even talking about me i'm just i'm talking about some guys who are just like you know absolute virtuosos who have put in the hours into practice to be able to do those things um and the fact that you can just put that in the kind of front of house backing track and nobody cares it's it's you know it's a bit kind of sad and I think that's the thing of like with the AI, it's like, well, what's really the difference? You know, if, if you can just program something and nobody cares, but I still think 
people care enough where like you know at least in rock and metal like they um it's about seeing the band do it at least to me half the time like you know i've had bands that i've gotten into where i really like the record and then i'll watch a live video and i'm just like so disappointed because i'm like man like i was but then there's sometimes where i'm like you watch a video and you're like oh my god this is like going to be my favorite band for like the next month because like they're good and that to me is like half of it is like they can actually play it Mm. um and they you can oh my god the singer sounds like on the record like and it it, to me at least it's just like that's half of the appeal i mean that's where you get your favorite bands really Mm -hmm. it's like where you like the record but then you see a live thing um that's when you can get totally addicted to it totally it's like if the live thing makes a difference the type of band where you prefer how they sound live that i mean those are the greatest bands and they can you can only do that when when it's human Mm -hmm. and that also comes down to just like everybody has their own you know ask you know perspective of it like a lot of those bands you know the band my favorite bands it's like you can tell that they're doing it and they're tight like that because they want to and because like they care some people are just like no this is my job like i'm doing music because like it's paying the bills and really i'd rather spend time with my family so like whatever whatever gets it done you know what i mean whereas like some of my favorite bands it's clear that it's like no the reason they've they sound that good is because they wanted to sound that good and they've put in all the hours as a band to like get that tight and not just like some you know somebody who's like oh yeah you know i kind of learned the parts or you know like maybe some of those miming guys just like dude it's a job what do you want from me yeah yeah and that's totally fair it's the people who you know that's the their reason for getting up in the morning yeah so i mean as this is the greatest music of all time podcast and like you're talking about some of your favorite bands i wanted to ask as my final question you know who are the greatest of all time for you you know because i mean that's what anybody who comes on this podcast you know it's it's a sentimental thing there's Mm -hmm. no objective like greatest of all time but uh, you know who who are your like top picks like over the years listening um it's a tricky question because obviously there's like bands that are just like undeniable and, and you're just like they're of course they're great beatles Jimi hendrix cream like those kinds of bands you're just like of course like they're great now i was like personally like of bands who have like changed my life actually because i remember on i i went back to the email that when we first started talking and it was about like the top five albums. Mm. And I started like making a list on my phone. I was like, okay, wh- what are those albums to me? Uh, as in my, and I, and I was trying to be like, as you know, I wasn't going to say like dark side of the moon or wish you were here. Cause of course they're up there. And I think there's probably two of like, they're both in the top 10 albums ever. Um, but I wasn't going to say, I feel like everybody knows dark side of the moon is a great album. Um, but like, I think, well, my favorite band is, is tool um, that changed my life when I started getting into their stuff and Danny Carey is just like one of my favorite drummers and he totally just like that was really when I was like I need a double kick pedal now like <laughs> I, I I have to learn how he does that and it just totally kind of changed my perception about writing and stuff so like th- as a band they're you know they're probably they're up there for sure um Led Zeppelin obviously to me is the greatest band that's ever lived like I, I think nobody re- like at that time and not just like musicianship, writing, production, like those records sound better than most records that come out today. And that's from like the seventies and, you know, late sixties. It's just like, um, in unbelievable. And, um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, obviously I mentioned the chili peppers and the Foo Fighters. That's like what I grew up on. Um, the chili pepper specifically like that. That's what made me want to be in a band. Um, and just taught me like why you want to be in a band it's like it's about the bond that you have with your bandmates it's like you know creating almost this like brotherhood of just like you know based on the music and 
like I wanted to, you know, it's like you wanted to be in the Chili Peppers when you were a kid. Like that's just at least, you know, how how I kind of saw it. Um, I mean, there's tons of others. I mean, this is almost not even coming up as the greatest. I'm just saying who my favorite are. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. the greatest for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I'm tr- I'm trying to. I'm thinking of. I'll do the the albums because that's just yeah, a bit more that would specific. Be good. So I was I was gonna say Lateralis by Tool, um, because I could say all their albums in um, you know, in in the top five, and that'd be a bit boring. Because I think like at least Anima and Ten Thousand Days are probably in my top fifteen albums ever. Anyways, but I'd say them. Then I would say if you're con- if you're allowing a live album, I was gonna say Song Remains the Same by Led Zeppelin. Um, yeah, yeah, live albums are legit. Greatest live album ever. Um, that version of No Quarter is like one of the best things that's ever happened in music, in my opinion. Um, just, yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Um, then I was going to Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Chili Peppers. Yeah, um, incredible album. Yeah, the hits, just like the, just the playing, it, it was so iconic, like, and it was so important to me. And, and actually, you know, Joey and Yang and, and my band as well, like they were just so, as a, as a unit, we were so like, you know, head over heels for the Chili Peppers when we were growing up, when we were like 15, 14, 16, whatever. And it was, you know, like, like I said, it was like, that's what made it, made us want to be in a band and and do it. And that album specifically was just like, you know, absolutely unbelievable. Um, Then I was going to say Delaus in the Comatorium by the Mars Volta. Um, Mm. Yang's probably laughing because he tried (laughs) to get us into Mars Volta like years and years ago. And then it didn't. It wasn't until like two two years ago or something that we actually did. And all of a sudden we're like, dude, this album's amazing. He's like, I know. I've been trying to tell you that for like years. <laughs> um, but I, you know, as a band, they're great. But that album specifically to me is just like, I mean, the fact that it's their debut album is just ridiculous. And also like, and kind of the same way that I feel about Lateralis by Tool is that those albums have such an atmosphere and a and a and like a mood that like it, I I immediately get kind of taken to like a either a mindset or just like a place when you listen to those records just by what they're able to kind of accomplish like sonically and mm. how they can kind of develop that landscape where like it's just so atmospheric and and you can kind of you know it the the music has its own kind of life and just like the first kind of almost i mean the whole album is amazing on the Laos and the comatorium but like the first three or four songs it's just like probably one of the strongest starts to a record ever um and then obviously then the last one, I had a couple that, you know, we threw around Dark Side and, and Wish You Were Here. Um, there's a bunch of records. I was between um, Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins, um, which is just like, I mean, I, I looked at the track listing again like the other day and I was just like, every song is just amazing. Um, and Jimmy Chamberlain is like, you know, one of my favorite drummers as well. Um, but then I was also thinking, I don't know if you know the band, but I was gonna say um, this album called "Sound Awake" by the band Carnival. Um, they're an Australian like I don't progressive know them so band. Well. I know the name. Yeah, they're that that album like they're they're you know, it's not as like kind of a you know household name as like you know Lateralis or whatever it is. But that band was just like you know I only really got into them this year. Actually, Yang was the one who sent me their their stuff. I'm pretty sure what a really good mate of mine listens to Carnival. Oh, I have to check out this amazing. album. Amazing, the drum sound on that record is just ridiculous that's kind of like half the reason was the was just the musicianship the drumming and but just overall like the song right to me it's like it was so it was like progressive almost complicated music but like making sense and it's like 
borderline like pop choruses or not not even like but it was just like it just everything made so much sense as to why they did it and that's just kind of been what i've been listening to recently you know so it's like recency bias of like putting it in oh the, in it's the top good five. it's good to know uh, what what you're listening to and what people are listening to at the moment mm-hmm. um but when did that album come out like 2010 2010 yeah so it's been a while so it's been but relatively the, recent the, yeah, the, yeah but, but the production like to me still holds up and the playing on it so um and also it's just like you know it's become one of my favorite kind of records for like at least now it's like when i listen to music there's like i always feel like there needs to be something that kind of tickles uh my brain a little bit or just kind of like makes me want to keep listening to it because like half the reason why you know bands like carnival mars volta or tool or even zeppelin it's like uh half of that is like i keep listening to the records to figure it out to kind of and you know and then eventually like sometimes you never end up figuring out that like my favorite thing is when you know so you're being like challenged like as a musician as a listener yeah and and, and half of it is, isn't even like you know oh what time signature is this it's sometimes it's just like oh man i didn't you know realize that guitar part came in there or you know just stuff mm. like all these details where it's like it always feels like every time you listen to it there's something new that's getting presented to you as like you didn't even remember it was there or realize whereas like you know if some song is kind of like okay i've kind of got everything i need to from the first two listens like my favorite stuff is when you're just like you have to keep listening because like you just still you know you can't really understand it yet or you can't really kind of you know there's always something else to kind of figure out i mean there's tons of records really and, and wh- when when you're listening you know like how often do you get a chance like between all the other stuff that you're working on between listening to stuff that you already know like how often do you listen to something new because you're pretty you, you're pretty knowledgeable you know you know your stuff and like some of these bands are difficult to like just sw- they're not immediate they're not like yeah the catch actually I, I was joking about this with yang is he's kind of like my filter he he's like all about his discover weekly playlist on spotify and so i kind of get like the good stuff after he's kind of filtered it you know <laughs> what i mean like he he'll he'll like like listen to it initially and if he'll be like oh you should listen to this and that's usually how i'm getting my new music like that was like carnival or mars volta you kind of get recommendations from people i mean obviously like i like listening you know you you stumble across things you know i've had my bands that i've all of a sudden like stumbled across on youtube and and i'm like oh man like these guys are pretty good and i think it's always important to like look for new things obviously like anybody you get kind of comfortable with music you know and it's like, oh, I'm driving to here to the studio or something. It's like, am I going to play a new record or am I going to listen to what I mm. like? On the way here, I was listening to a new record, though. I was listening to um, an OSI record. Um, and that's just because, like, I heard, like, a lot of time it's like, oh, there's a good song on it. And it's like, it's almost like how many good songs from that album do I do I need to hear first before I commit to listening to the whole record? Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, it's it's all by chance, but yeah, it is that thing of like, oh, it's a short drive. Am I going to listen to something that I know that I want to hear, or am I going to give something a chance? But if you're genuinely curious, like you should always be trying to give new things a chance. Totally, so, and it seems like you do. So I was interested to know that. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, and, and it's like for example, it, it just depends on the mindset. Like with like, uh, for example, I mentioned the Discover Weekly um, playlist on Spotify, which I think are great. You know, they, they are good. They they help you learn new things. It's just you like I am not as good at listening to mine as like maybe Yang and Joey are. So like my algorithm can be a bit rough. Oh, sometimes you get a bit of a they haven't quite ironed it out. out yeah, sometimes Spotify is great as a fan. Mm -hmm. It's it's like obviously for artists, like artists could get more uh, dosh for their 
efforts you know they could be paid a bit better per stream or whatever but as a fan it's the best deal in the world you're getting all the albums in the world for yeah. 10 quid a month or it's whatever. it's a weird thing because obviously like with spotify like half of me is a fan half of me is the person releasing music um as a fan i totally agree it's great and and to be honest like as a as an artist it's both it's terrible like the 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 amount you're getting for a stream is like ridiculous like it's pathetic it's it's it needs to be fixed it's like you know i could go on about that it's outrageous that like people who are the you know execs in these companies labels who are you know um doing deals with spotify too how much money they can make based off an artist's work is pretty outrageous like and and you know it's pretty insulting to the the work and effort that gets put in that being said though you're getting so much more of a reach now Mm. because because like you said you like you know us i can go on my phone and listen to any record i want and now bands are getting more fans but i think it's like more fans doesn't really translate into like being able to make a living now you've like not unless you're willing to get on the road exactly now it's like you know we i've always said that you know back in the day it was you um toured to promote your album now you make an album to promote your tour um Mm. because back then you could make money from the record sales now you're putting out a record so that people have new music to listen to so that they want to come to your show and the shows are what you know you need to make money on and even still it's become way harder now to make money as an artist which is pretty sad um but like i said you know you've got bands who are now getting fans you know for example like talked about band carnival they're an australian band if this was 20 years ago i may have never heard of them it would be much harder for you to get into a record like this released in 2010 yeah etc and it's it's not a pop album either it's not like something that was that's going to be on mainstream radio so like it's it's it would have been harder to find those things so when you're able to kind of have access to things it is nice and it's nice as a band that like you know more people can listen to your music it's just a shame that that doesn't really translate to to anything really Mm. you know you have ten thousand streams 10 million streams like you're not you can't just live off no way you know and that doesn't really mean much um that's the other thing it's kind of skewed the numbers it's like you like at least for us it's like i realized when we first started putting up like the numbers that you really need are like pretty massive to like like you know we've had numbers where it's like they're millions yeah where it's like oh that's pretty good and it's like not really in terms of spotify like you know yeah it is an achievement to get thousands like (laughs) i mean if imagine if you went out and sold like ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand cds you'd be like I mean, well, for a start, yeah. you'd actually be number one in the charts because <laughs> <laughs> the physical sales yeah. would go but more than the streams. But if you were selling 30,000 CDs for um, 10 bucks a piece, like, you're making good money by the end of it. You mm. know what I mean? Just off, and, But, like, that doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, it's a big mountain to climb. But then, on the other hand, as you say, you can reach people yeah. all over the world now and you don't need a label to give you permission to put exactly. it out. And as it, well, that's one thing, too, is, like, labels have less power now. Um which is a shame because that means that now the people who do have power and labels are putting all their eggs in, you know, the TikTok people, the the people who are really famous that like it works, like that kind of fit the formula. You know, they're not really going to gamble on something that they that that's a risk. Um, but the good thing is that, you know, artists are able to kind of do it more independently. It's just way harder. And, you know, stuff like TikTok becomes a factor into it where you need to be knowledgeable about all that. One thing I'll say is as a fan, I feel like live music has maybe get been given a boost from all this 
Mm. Um, just more bands go on the on the road. People are on the road and constantly, the, and the production has had to be all because you now you're like this is our selling point, and so ev- the shows become better, um, or should kind of like I guess that's the the goal. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it does kind of I think there's a lot of bands now and just artists who still make records because they want to do it and they like the art of making a record and they like the process of, you know, and, and they like the flow of a track list. They like, you know, they're like almost purists because they, they want to do it as a fan, um, which is great. But obviously the whole streaming thing means that now you just need three kind of good songs mm. on a record. It doesn't matter. Like, you know. Singles uh, are it really. Labels yeah. really advise new artists to do singles. Yeah. But that you know, like I said, you still have bands who care, and they and and artists who care who just want to like, you know, they're making a record because it's a personal thing, not so much to to get famous, you know. Mm. Or I feel like maybe back in the day, I think it was definitely more of a personal thing, but also like, you know, you made your whole record kind of good because you were trying to make sure that like people bought the whole record, you know, and it didn't just buy like the forty five or something. Mm. But that being said, people had to buy the record to listen to it, anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's a kind of it's a weird thing i mean for me it's like it it sucks because like as pissed as i can be at spotify i use it and it's great you know what i mean that's what it all and i feel like a borderline yeah i feel like a bit of a hypocrite but like i think most people have that thing like as an artist because like you well you know it's not feasible to listen to as much music as as people are used to now if you're buying every record it's the same thing with social media like, would it be cooler in a way to not have to be on social media if you're in a band and focus on the music? Yes, probably it would if you're like really into music, but that world does not exist. It will never yeah. exist. And so facing reality is really important. But I hope that this won't be the last time you come on the podcast and when you've got new music, you know, whether it's Better Strangers or, you know, whether it's a new, under a new name, mm-hmm. um, but it will, you know, effectively be the same same band, but with, with your new singer. Um, you know, when you've got new music to promote, it'd be great to, to talk about that. Yeah, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course, it's been a really f- great episode. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a great chat. And yeah, I'm, you know, more than more than happy to come on again.